everyone, and welcome to a brand episode of The Wrap right here on the Fike Media Network. Happy Monday to you all as we are finally ready for Extreme Rules going down this Saturday in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I'm Keela Cash, and by my side, as always, is my right-hand man, my co-captain, the sometimes advocate for the rapidly improving Von Wagner, the wise man himself. I bring to you, as always, Salty Scott Young. Welcome back, Salty. Thank you, Keela. It's always a pleasure to chop it up and talk all things WWE with you. Uh, it's an especially good week as we get ready for Extreme Rules. I thought we had a great week at WWE last week. I, I'm very excited about the conversations we're going to have today. Yes, very wide-ranging conversations about Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. But I got to call some people out on the show because they have been inspired by a certain thing we've done on this show for almost a year now. Something I introduced because I like to take certain people that I like to a particular restaurant and that place is none other than Red Lobster. And I've noticed that our fellow members of the Feige Media family have been starving for some cheddar biscuits as of late. Listen, all I know is that Red Lobster's business has picked up in the last <laughs> year since we, since you've, you know, uh, you know, introduced us to the Red Lobster crave, you know, that we all have deep down inside. We just don't want to talk about it. We talk about it on this show. You know, we talk about who's coming to the table and let's let's just keep it 100 Red Lobster. The business has been booming and I I think we're owed a thank you. Whether it's a gift card you know, quick ad. We got 15 seconds we can give you for ads. Call us. Call Gigi. We will take all forms of promotional sponsorship by Red Lobster. I have done you a service this year by telling people that if you want to really have a good time with somebody you want to hook up with, you go to Red Lobster, you get some, <laughs> you get some cheddar biscuits, you have a good time, Absolutely. the drinks are pouring, it's Lobster Fest, Shrimp Fest, all the fests going down, but the cheddar biscuits are the centerpiece in my mind. So I just want to shout out John LaRocca and Paul Fontaine because I've made them hungry in the last week. And Paul being extra egregious by posting Posting his food pics on Twitter to taunt us. How dare you? Disrespectful. And um, I also want to say he did that while I was on my lunch break. So that pissed me <laughs> off even more. I still wasn't even completely over, you know, some of the strays he was throwing around from the last show. Shout out to Grandpa Des. Um, I just want to point out, though, also, if you are taking them on that date, my, my, my fellas out there, and I guess for my ladies, if you're taking somebody out, or taking a guy out on the date, sometimes it happens like that, too, um, or however it's going, you know, if you're looking for a nice, cheap date, you get yourself a salad. You ain't got to pay for your meal and let them get whatever they want. Let them splurge. Get dessert. You just get yourself a salad, a water, and cheddar biscuits, and you good. You're going to be full. You're going to eat healthy. You don't have your salad. You got water, no soda. Look at that. And now your, your day can splurge and get whatever they want. You done saved yourself about $30, $40. Holla <laughs> at me. By ordering the bare minimum for free, practically. <laughs> See, the waiter is mad. Like, where is my tip? Where is my tip? Where is the $40 main course? Come on now. You're not going to get any Larry on your plate today? Really? Just a salad, some dressing, some biscuits, and some water. With a lemon you know, wedge on the on the side. You know what? You're right. You're right. Let me get a Coke light ice. Oh my god. You're right. You're right. Let me let me get a Coke light ice and I I'll go ahead and get a brownie. Let me go I'll get dessert too. <laughs> I'll get dessert too. Go ahead. Go ahead and give me one of them fudge brownies too. 
Would you at least get some ice cream to go with it to just be a little extra? Oh, you. I don't want no ice cream. That's, that's a mess. I got to eat all that before it melts. I can't take it home. I don't want none of that. Give me the fudge brownie because I can eat some of that. I can take it home. Don't give me nothing that I can't take home. You're so I'm taking cheap. cheddar biscuits home, by the way. I, I want some fresh ones to go. I don't want the ones you got here at the table because I'm taking them too, but I want some fresh ones to go. You are so cheap. <laughs> you are so cheap you are a cheap date my god but in this economy i can understand it i totally do Listen, i will <laughs> if you want the full course you want you want an appetizer you want the main course and you want dessert i can I, i'm okay with taking the bear you know i'm okay with a a salad and some cheddar biscuits i'm cool with it i'm cool with the veggie calamari that's very good as well that's a nice appetizer if I don't want to buy a main course meal. See, there you go. It's very filling. Just saying, offering tips for your date night around lobster, courtesy of the wrap. That's what we do here on this show. And by all means, tell us you went, take some pictures, and then also put a tip in the jar because we helped you do this. We're great date planners. Just saying. Just saying. And, you know, that's what we do here on this show. So, with our sponsorship out of the way, Red Lobster call us, as always. Let's switch focus to Monday Night Raw going down live in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada this past week. It's a Canada theme all month long in WWE. And I want to talk about the opening of the show involving Bianca Belair, our Raw Women's Champion, and Bailey from Damage Control. Now, I wanted to talk about this last week, but thanks to Bailey, we get to talk about it this week because I did not like her promo about Bianca Belair being the chosen one, being highly favored, being the one. And Bailey talking about, I wanted to do this since I was 12 and you just did this, what, six or so years ago. It's not really in your blood. I'm like, you know, with the Charlotte argument, I hate it. This argument, I hate it even more because Bianca Belair was a novice at this six years ago. And guess what? She became great. She worked literally from the bottom to the very top of the Raw Women's Division. From the Mae Young Classic to a pre-show match at WrestleMania 34 New Orleans to the Warrior Rumble to the main event of WrestleMania last year and another high-profile match this year. The struggle to the top has been real for her time and time again. And this is my core issue with damage control. I love the trio of Dakota Kai, Io Sky, and Bailey. They have potential, but like we workshopped Judgment Day for months on this show, something is a bit missing. And I go back to Bailey, who I love very much, but I'm getting that 2019 vibe of how do I project and how do I really address myself as a heel in front of people? That was a struggle for her until the pandemic when ironically enough, nobody was there and she was able to let loose, play off Michael Cole, play off Sasha Banks, play off the people that were there via the camera people in the building and that's it. And she hit her groove. I think there is still this adjustment period of her trying to find her footing in front of a live audience again, but the promo material and the so-so-ness of this crew thus far has left me a bit cold. The potential to be great is there. There is time for them to find their groove as Judgment Day has in the last month or so. But as of right now, I'm not feeling it. I'm looking forward to the ladder match between Bianca Belair and Bailey at the pay-per-view on Saturday. But the setup in terms of promo work has left a lot to be desired in my eyes. No, I, I, I completely agree with you. And I think 
this has actually shown that Bianca is more than capable on the mic, uh, is more than capable of firing back and, and handing out shots. And the thing about what you said with uh, Bailey saying Bianca is the chosen one. The problem with that, with Bianca Belair in particular, is that Bianca Belair isn't someone that the fans are rebelling against. That's something that you use with somebody that the fans are rebelling against. That's why it works with the Charlotte Flair. Regardless of how good Charlotte is, you can make the argument she is the chosen one and the fans have gotten sick of her. There's never really been a sense of that. And Bailey's certainly not the one to bring that crowd reaction to it also you know Bailey even with the ding dong ditch thing and the no crowd we don't Bailey's never to me Bailey's never really been great on the mic where she's been great as far as talking has just been kind of her character work in the ring you know when her and Sasha were just talking smack during their matches while they're beating down people that's what was getting people getting Bailey over and like it wasn't really in particular her promos and I think that's really kind of showing and the crowd's just not reacting to the promos and then you you Bring back the you talk about the group, and there's something, there's just kind of something missing, and maybe it's a heavy. You know, maybe it is a, a, a dewdrop or a Piper Nevin that, you know, where they change their name back to Piper. Maybe it is something like that to kind of bring just a, a missing piece. Sometimes groups like that are just missing something small to make them complete. And, you know, they had all this hype, and it just seems like the steam has just been kind of slowly taken out of them. And it really began when they lost the tag titles the first time around. They've tried to do better, but they've taken losses. And I know it's to Bianca, but you're still beating the tag team champions in singles competition. So it, the group does need work. And, you know, I I think Bianca's just clearly showing that She's leaps and bounds better than, in my opinion, right now, Bailey. I just think she is just on a different level when it comes to women's wrestling. And I think she's the top women's wrestler in, in North America right now. I, I just think Bailey's got an uphill battle trying to get the fans to be in any type of corner with her. And that argument she's using is not going to work when it comes to Bianca because the fans are fully in her corner. Yeah, it was a very faulty argument. I don't know who put the promo on Monday. It was a very bad promo from that perspective because the argument did not make sense. And I think that there's a frustration when some fans treat like damage control is a fail. Like it's not a fail because I felt the same way about Judgment Day. It just takes time to find out what works, which we'll get to shortly. It's okay to workshop. It's okay to criticize things that feel a bit missing. I think someone else is going to join this crew very soon that'll play into our predictions for extreme rules very soon on this show as well. But it's okay to critique something that is not perfect. We do this all the time. We just want things to be better than what we see right now. And it's okay. The hot takes on Twitter, they can be a bit much. We're not advocating for a complete blow up of the faction, but we're trying to find out what the sweet spot is. What's the thing that's going to push you over the top to make you must see every single week. That's all we're saying. It's all love here. I love Bailey. I love EO. I love Dakota. I'm very happy they're the champions. Could happen in Pittsburgh last month when it needed to happen, but they went in a certain direction to surprise people. It backfired. It happens. So it's all about finding out who can we add? What can we do to make this crew stand out? It's not too late. We've been through the highs and lows. The New Day would like to have a word from 2014. 
Their recovery in 2015 was everything. Every crew goes through growing pains. It'll be okay. And I think the other issue, at least for me, has been they just haven't been presented as a top dominant group. I mean, they, they've taken multiple losses and I, that, that really hurts the mystique of everything that kind of hurts the faction. You can't present this brand new heel faction with what you want to be top level heels and have them losing, you know, and what's Aaliyah doing right now? You know what I mean? That's, she was just a tag champion a, a few weeks ago and what's she doing right now? What did that win do for her? So the presentation, not only with the tweaking, but just if you want people to take them serious as top tier heels, you got to present them like that. Absolutely. And hopefully they would do so during, going forward because they have potential. But the booking, the presentation has definitely been a choice. Not a good one in my estimation. And hopefully they'll get it together. That's all we can ask for as fans at this point. As we move on to Rey Mysterio versus Seth Rollins and I had to think about this because I've tried to forget the horror show at Extreme Rules from two years ago, the eye for an eye match. And someone brought it up on commentary like, oh, shit, I remember this match. It was so bad. The fake eyeball popping out and Ray selling no eye for about a month or two. Hated it. It did give us um, it did give us Dominic Mysterio versus Seth Rollins at SummerSlam Dom's first serious match in WWE, which over delivered thanks to Seth by a large margin. And then we get this match on Monday. Very good match. And Dominic comes out. And after two years of torment and anguish, Seth and Dom fist bump say it's all love. Kill my dad, by all means. Do what you like. So it's a great back and forth match involving Mysterio and Rollins. At one point, once again, Dominic goes his father to hit him with a steel chair. Hit me, dad. Go ahead and do it. I know you want to stop being such a weakling. Hit me. Ray once again refuses to hit his son. Instead, Rhea jumps over the barricade and slams Ray into the ring post. And they laugh at him. As Dom throws his dad back in the ring to eat a curb stop and gets choked out by the Peruvian necktie by Seth, who's getting ready for his match against Matt Riddle inside of a fight pit this Saturday at Extreme Rules. So I like the continued storytelling of Ray going through it. And at some point, we have to believe he will put his hands on Dominic and the fans will pop. You know, let me tell you something. If I told my father, <laughs> hey, go ahead and hit me. You ain't, go ahead and hit. If I had the nerve to tell my father <laughs> in public, in front of everyone, in front of his good 20 year friend like Edges, yo, go ahead, go ahead and hit me. I dare. Boy, I would have gotten the brakes beat off of me. What type of parenting has Rey Mysterio got going on here? This is all his fault. Are you kidding me? You got to be kidding me. I, and I can't believe it's taken me this long to realize what's going on here. This is awful parenting. <laughs> like, he, Dominic should, Dominic, I'm on your side. You get you need to get him back for not being a good. Are you kidding me? I wish I had the nerve to say something like this to my father in public, <laughs> especially when he told me that I couldn't buy no more Pokemon cards when I was 15 years old. I wish I had the nerve to say something stupid like that to my father. What in the world? All right. 
So besides the illogical father we got here, Ray Mysterio, let me be careful before he booyakas me off the feed again. Um, I, I want to say that Dominic's doing a pretty good job. I like, I do like the way he's, he's just, I do want to smack him in the face. So that's a good thing working for Dominic. The match was really good. Seth Rollins is, he is as good as he say he is, man. He's he's just got, the, everything is working right now. He is lightning in a bottle right now. Everything's clicking for him. Rey Mysterio looks really good. I, I like the angle. I, I think I think the angle is working well. And when Rey Mysterio clocks Dominic, I think people are going to go crazy for it. I think it's going to get a really big pop. I just don't know exactly what the end game is because I, I just don't think a Dominic versus Rey Mysterio match would be that good, but... You know, we'll see what happens. His dad is Rey Mysterio. They will work on this match from sunup to sundown. I got to believe for it to be good, if not possibly great. Dom can be carried. If his father can't carry him, he's the worst father of the year. I hate to say it, but it's true. He's already bad because you can't hit your son. That'll happen someday. That will lead to a great pop by the crowd. But I do expect the match, whenever it happens, to over-deliver. It would be for a mask, most likely for Dom to be a true Mysterio at long last. A story I've been wanting to see for the last couple of years. So I'm here for the slow burn of Ray eventually putting his hands on his son. But to get punked out weekly by your son to say, Dad, you ain't shit. You ain't going to hit me. That's embarrassing. Yeah. I bet Angie would. Angie and her Louis Vuitton would get her switch and smack the shit out of Dominic. I believe that. And then she'll dust that Louis off and say, Ray, I had to do what you couldn't do. And what? Oh, oh, let me tell you. Not only would she beat the bricks off of Dominic Mysterio, then she would be, hey, Ray, I'm not even going to chase you. You just come over and bend over because I am about to wear your tail out next for being a little punk. That is exactly what would happen. Because let me tell you, you certainly ain't doing that to no mom. You, you tag on sure ain't getting away with that with no mother. Angie don't play. Yeah. Okay, I can tell. Angie getting that Maybach with the switch in the Louis V and whoop, and whoop Dominic's ass. I believe that. No doubt. And then she'll get in the Maybach with the driver in the front seat. She ain't driving there. Angie's not driving to the place. She's going to get driven there by the driver because the Mysterios we have seen are very, very paid up and, and rich. They dress, they dress fancy. They drive fancy. And Angie's going to whoop that ass. Very <laughs> fancy. You're right. You are right. Givenchy and Louis V all day. That's what they do. And Angie's going to get her son before Ray does. I truly believe that. But Ray, handle your business because you can't keep going out like this every week. It's embarrassing now. Worst father of the year vibes are coming off of you and it's not a good look. Now, I do want to praise somebody on this show who I have thought fondly of for a very long time. And I just realized this after, what, five years of wishing and hoping and praying, Finn Balor is finally the heel he's meant to be on the main roster. All thanks to Edge quitting Judgment Day. By God. So Edge thought to himself, you know, this isn't working for me. We're going in a supernatural direction. I want to ditch Judgment Day. He does. Finn fills a spot. It takes about a month or two for this crew to really come together. But the moment they start coming for Dominic and Rey Mysterio, 
They started to click Rhea Ripley front and center. But Finn Balor, I got a shout out as well, because for years we wanted this dude to have a crew of his own. How can you be a Balor club of one? You needed more people. They teased and they gave it away. They teased and they took it away from us. This year we get the faction. Finn Balor is a heel. He's just giving us big dick energy as a bad guy. I love his facial expressions, promos on point, and he's comfortable. And I always go back to an interview he did on backstage on Fox about three years ago when he returned to NXT to help in the war against AEW, which failed, obviously. But he notes that in WWE, the big main roster, the big stage, the lighting, all that stuff, it's Marvel, it's Disney. But NXT stripped down to its core is Broadway. You get to do what you want to do. And I loved that Finn Balor there. The heel, the surly badass, the guy that had great matches all the time. That Finn was beloved. Bring him back to the main roster. Smiling Finn. Demon Finn that loses Finn. Did not care for it very much. But now he is where he's meant to be as a heel in a faction that he is co-leading alongside Rhea Ripley and Damian Priest. I love this for him. I love the beef he has with AJ Styles, another comrade from their days in the Bullet Club in New Japan. That's a great story. They're threading into Monday Night Raw as well. So I'm very happy to see Finn Balor be himself on the main roster at long last. And it just came to me thinking, damn, it finally came true. Finn Balor, badass heel with the faction who is getting over at that. I I think everything you put was was really well. Um, Finn Balor is I, first of all shout out to uh, Prison Finn because he's definitely keeping that purple do rag <laughs> around. Uh, you know he got that thing hanging. Uh, he is repping a color right there. I, you know there's Crips, there's Bloods, and then there's the Fins. That's what I'm calling the purple do rag, <laughs> the Fins. That's I'm, I'm gonna have to go get me one because I'm trying to be a part of that. Um, now I I think you're right, and it's. It's a weird thing because we talk, you know, we've talked about in workshop judgment day. And I think you brought a great point when you talked about, you know, how the the faction we talked about earlier wasn't a, a failure. And this took time, Rhea Ripley being front and center, but Finn Balor has still been kind of elevated as a as a top guy and and feels like a top guy, feels like a bigger deal than he has. And that's what a that's what a faction is supposed to do. It's supposed to elevate everyone. Everyone is supposed to come out of the faction feeling like a bigger deal, feeling having a bigger presence. And for right now, I, I think it's done that for all of them. And Rhea Ripley, like we've talked about, feels like a big deal. And Finn Balor, I just think he's him as a heel just feels right. And the crowd is reacting to him accordingly. And I think this is all going to build to whenever he does decide to turn babyface, it's going to be a massive reaction. And we see how good of a heel he is by the reaction that Edge got. And I think that is very telling of how good of a heel it is because Edge wasn't gone for two months. He was gone for like two weeks and he got that type of pop. And I know it was still in Edmonton. But the him versus Finn Balor feels like a big deal because of the work that he's done with Judgment Day. So I'm really excited for Prison Finn versus Edge in an I Quit match. Because you know Prison Finn learned in jail that you don't quit. You never quit in jail. And that's what he learned. <laughs> From Michael Scarn. <laughs> Finn during prison time is a great visual because I know that he was prison poppy in that jail 
the entire time he did his time. <laughs> I know he was. He ran shit the way it should have been ran. Rocking that purple do-rag. It, that still takes me out because it was so random. He came out wearing the bandana. <laughs> I was like, what in the hell? And he realized, oh, shit, it's on my head. <laughs> Let me take it off. It. I keep he calling it a do-rag. It. It's a bandana. I keep it's calling a bandana. it a do-rag. I don't know why I keep calling it a do-rag. And now I got a picture of Finn Balor in a do-rag. Now, now I see the actual do-rag instead of the bandana. Can you imagine tying it up at night, making sure the waves are straight when he wakes up in the morning? Could you imagine? It's hilarious. I bet you Damien got one, though. Oh, for sure. He's got, he's for sure got a do-rag. But yeah, Finn Balor right now is the best. And I just realized everything I wanted has happened and it kind of came about organically. And that is due to a new creative administration that favors Finn. Thank you, Triple H. Shout out because you saw the value of what Finn can be on the main roster fully and Judgment Day have truly come into their own as of late. And they're all equal parts. Damian Priest, who went through it last year, who we talked about a lot. The split personality, Rosemary's baby Priest and Damian Priest, the light in the dark. We hated that shit. But look where he is now, back to being his broody self, he might be doing things on the side after hours, but hey, it's who he's meant to be popping bottles with Judgment Day alongside Dominic. Why not? And, and what's, what's interesting to me about it is these are, from what we've seen in the past, three of Triple H's favorite people. Like Rhea Ripley got a huge push from Triple H and was a, a cornerstone. And we've seen Finn Balor and Damian Priest was a big deal in NXT as well. So you he he takes care of the people that he wants to take care of. And I think that's very evident in, in kind of the booking that we've seen. Yes, very smart booking. And you can see the changes very night and day. And I'm here for it because I love all three of them equally. And I'm glad they're back to where they're supposed to be on this show, being themselves, even as heels. As we transition to the main event of Monday Night Raw involving Matt Riddle versus Damian Priest. I thought this match was great. And this is a Damian Priest I missed on Black and Gold NXT a couple of years ago. The guy that found himself against Finn Balor, crazily enough, and in your house. This match against Riddle was... Tekken on steroids, the counters, the strikes, both guys going back and forth. The nasty, nasty backbreaker that Riddle took on the barricade was absolutely gnarly. And this was a great battle between two guys who are legit best friends. They know each other very well in a lot of ways. And they delivered in the ring on Monday night. And as Scott mentioned, after the match is over, when Riddle won via a roll up, thanks to some interference from Judgment Day that backfired, they jumped Riddle. And Edge comes back after two weeks of being pilmanized by this crew. His ankle goes all asunder, but he's here whooping ass, spearing people left and right. Dominic and Rhea run away and Finn and Damien eat spears. And Edge gets on the mic in Edmonton. He's over, of course. And he challenges Finn Balor, first time ever, one-on-one -on -one to an I quit match. And it's on for Extreme Rules because Edge will never quit. And we know Prison Bay Finn is not going to quit. <laughs> He's going to go in there and do what he needs to do. So it's a very unique matchup. And I go back to NXT, Black and Gold, nearly two years ago when Edge was trying to find out who I'm facing at WrestleMania. He was bold enough to go on that show and confront Finn Balor, then NXT champion. And look where we are now. A year and a half later, full circle, one-on-one, -on -one, first time ever, Extreme Rules, and an I Quit match.
you know, I forgot that they took out that man's leg. And then this dude is just out here like, <laughs> you did what? <laughs> what did you do a couple of weeks ago? I complete. And you know what? That's a problem. And that's just, and I think that's a problem in wrestling when it comes to the national companies. Like things don't sink in like stuff like that. That should, that should be a big deal that his leg got destroyed. And then, I mean, you don't even come out with like a knee brace or anything or even pat the knee. Like, look at me, I'm back. Like, He's just like just back. He's just out here running sprints. I I mean, give me give me just a little something. Just have a knee brace on. Just act like the attack did something. Especially with two weeks, like the way he was writhing in pain and stuff. The only I, I, the the reaction was great, and I'm not like downing the segment because it was a good segment. I'm glad they had Riddle win. He needs to win more than Damian Priest, so I, I like that. And I'm glad Dominic didn't take any unnecessary spears, but. For Edge just to be running around like that, I mean, just give me, just have a knee brace on. It's like you can have a knee brace on for one more week, and be like, hey, one more week, and I'll be, I'll be ready to go. I just, just give me a little bit, just something. It was unnecessary sell job. In hindsight, this pilmanization was supposed to take you out for like a month or two. You're back in two weeks, running sprints. Very happy to be back. I'm good. I'm happy to see you. It's always good to see you, Edge. But you know. Sometimes you be a little bit extra with your injury write outs and you come back a week or two later, fresh as a daisy, ready to fight. And then we're going to write you off again. Eh, okay. It was a fine return, but you sold a pimpinization two weeks before that looked very gnarly from an angle that we all saw. And now you're back and you're ready to face Finn in an I quit match. We'll see how it goes. It was a good way to end the show, but edge, please. Do less when it comes to trying to sell an injury if you're not going to sell it for a longer period of time. And now it's time to focus on NXT. No longer 2.0 going down taped this past Tuesday at the Performance Center. By all accounts, the building is held up nicely. From the hurricane, my thoughts go out to those who were affected by the storm over the last week or so. NXT will be back live on Tuesday on USA. A brand new set, hopefully new colors, we would hope, as we enter the white and gold era of NXT 3.0. But I do want to point out a match that went down on the show that I did not care for at all, which was Cameron Grimes versus Joe Gacy. And Joe Gacy beat Cameron Grimes. I have watched Cameron on this show both iterations for the last three or so years. When you lose to Joe Gacy, I felt numb. I felt sad. And I felt like it's time for him to leave NXT. There is nothing else to learn. There's nothing else to do here. Get out and go to the main roster. Hell, I would even take you reunited with LA Knight as a tag team over this shit with Joe Gacy and the rejects from Arkham Asylum. So, Scott, what is your thoughts on all of this involving Gacy, Cameron Grimes, and the dyad? Um... So I I just feel like the the whole everybody involved is it there's just there's nothing like it's just not where like Cameron Grimes still gets a good reaction because he's got he's got that going for him he's, but I'm gonna be honest I don't see much for him on the main roster I <clears throat> I just don't I don't see him getting the push that would kind of warrant an underdog type story and. You know, I don't know if he's going to want to stay at two in an NXT and kind of be, 
the guy who who puts over the main event talent like that. So I honestly, and I, this may sound crazy, but I think the best thing for Cameron Grimes would be to to kind of leave WWE. And I'm not saying I want him to get fired or anything like that, but or just be off TV for a while like that. Because I, I just think he needs a, a he just needs a fresh place. He needs a different environment. I, and, and I'm not definitely not saying go to AEW because where's he going to fit in there? Don't need to put him on dark or elevation. I I'd say, I'd say go to Impact. Go go do something. Go run the Indies for a little bit. Impact. Have a run in New Japan. Run with the Super Juniors. But I just I don't know if WWE. I don't know if there's a lot for him left to do in WWE besides what he's doing. And I don't even want to talk about Joe Gacy. No one wants to talk about Joe Gacy. I've been done with him since the moment he came on TV a year ago. I've tried. It's been a year. I like Von Wagner more than I like Joe Gacy one year later. And that is saying something. My poor grizzled young veterans looking like Arkham Asylum rejects working as orderlies. Rip Fowler and Jagger Reed, those names are despicable to me. My Zach Gibson, my James Drake, where have they gone? They've just evaporated into these beings that suck. And Joe Gacy sucks as Kevin Owens light and a, a bootleg Bray Wyatt wannabe. All of this rolled into one. And he does have a trait that Bray Wyatt and the Fiend possessed. He will kill a few dead. He will kill a feud and a baby face dead. Braun Breaker almost suffered that fate. Cameron Grimes suffering the exact same fate. He is a babyface killer. I would also like to point out that uh, Nikita Lyons would it likes to think of herself as a rapper during her entrances. I want everybody to just start watching Nikita Lyons when she comes out of her entrance. After the second light flashes and she does her second pose... Just take a look at her right hand and and because the left hand's up rapid. Just take a look at her right hand. Just watch the rapper pose come out. Well, she's all about the pleasure principle, isn't she? <laughs> I just you know. I, I that's what I think. That was what I was thinking about as Joe Gacy came on the screen. Nikita <laughs> Lyons about- out here thinking she a rapper. <laughs> Got her hand in her crotch like that. What are you doing? You know, she's trying to be hard. Well, listen, she, she it's coming up on her one year anniversary of being a real one. So <laughs> <laughs> she don't have to prove nothing else to me. OK. Yeah, I'm sure she'll find something to storm very soon. On a particular <laughs> day in history. On, her, on the sixth day, no less. She probably caught a ride with Chris Jericho. <laughs> was his wife driving that day as well we do wonder was he on dynamite that night does he have an alibi yeah braun Strowman. well and we Raquel. can't well we can't vouch for them either <laughs> i mean it is it is a mystery as to where they were that day i'm just saying man i'm just saying i mean they they carpool there they carpooled at the location. Called an Uber XL. <laughs> <laughs> Let's split this. Y'all want to split an Uber? We want to split it five ways? We can do that. Just make sure we meet back at the spot when it's all said and done. Okay, we're done being messy. Yeah. For those that can read between the lines. <laughs> yeah, but you done. know, you know, the jokes write themselves. You know the stories, y'all. You know, it's always fun to dive in a little bit because 
we're shady that way. But that's what Joe Gacy does to us. We have to talk about other things because he sucks. All offense to him. And I'm and I say that with love because I do like the actual wrestler, but the character is terrible. And we need to reboot that as we get ready for 3.0 of NXT. But one of the great gifts of the original NXT 2.0 is Andre Chase. Now it took me a while to warm up to Andre Chase and Chase You, but this concept from the fake college to the fake dorm, to the fake students in the cheering section for their pep rallies every Tuesday, to Andre Chase, to Bodie Hayward, to Thea Hale, all of them do great work via this concept that is so wacky that it works. And I got to point out the promo that Andre Chase cut on Dave <laughs> on Tuesday, saying, telling Dave, quote unquote, what have you done, Dave? What territories have you run, Dave? What five stars have you accumulated, Dave? You haven't done shit, Dave. And I'm like, okay, that was a nice inside reference to Dave Meltzer. It was a great joke. And Andre Chase cut the promo on Dave. And I loved it. I laughed. And I just want to give Andre Chase's flowers because I have to ding Triple H for this. When this dude was in the dying days of black and gold NXT in the summer of 2021, he was just a dude. He was there, charismaless. He had no swag, nothing. He was just a guy taking up space and I was just offended. But now he's one of my favorite things on this show alongside the entire Chase University. I would go to the best fake for-profit college in the nation because I know I would have a good time every day taking my non-classes, Scott. That man, that man responded to Dave and said, was that a five-star question, Dave? <laughs> and I was like, whoa. <laughs> and you know, he ain't, got, he ain't got no type of filter on his mouth. So he just be, he's just going... I, I think it was great. I he's he's fans. He's really this has been a fantastic thing for him. I think the entire thing is great. And one thing that shouldn't get lost in this is that Bodie and Thea are both gonna have just they're gonna have a little bit of grace when it comes to the fans because they're gonna be loved by the fans because the fans love the gimmick. And I hope that this continues to evolve to the point where you know, the big moments. Because you know when you go to a, a school or university, they have the big moments in a nice trophy case. Like him pinning Carmelo Hayes should be framed in a picture hanging up in the trophy case. And honestly, I hope he wins. I don't know if I want him to win the North American title, but they should absolutely win some type of title that should be framed in the trophy case. Like they should, or not for, but it should just be in the trophy case. I I just think there you could do a lot with this. It doesn't have to take up main event space. He's somebody who could win the title on on a fluke, especially in a ladder match type setting. I, I think akin to Zack Ryder winning the Intercontinental title in the ladder match at WrestleMania. Shocked the world. Then he loses the next Monday. And it's like, all right, that makes sense. I could see Zack winning it that day and then losing it. I could, you could do that with an Andre Chase and it works. So... I think he's a great character to have. He's a great veteran to have. I, I love everything about it. I hope I re, I'm actually really hoping he wins the North American title. It's definitely possible. He's got to get through your boy though on Tuesday. He's got to get through your advocate, you know, you know, it's so here's the thing. 
I don't know why they're doing this to me. They, I, I, I love Andre Chase, and I feel like Carmelo Hayes is going to try to cost Chase the match, and maybe it backfires or something. But yeah, Big Daddy V going to have to take care of business next week. You know, he, uh, he is still who he says he is. He is still Big Daddy V, the cool one. Um, he's been working on his craft. He's thrown a couple new moves in there. I've. Uh, been to a couple of the sessions and I've been really impressed with what I've seen. So yeah, I'm really excited for him to pull out a fully expect at least two new moves this week. I'm looking forward to it. One of these men will be the base for this ladder match. I in a in a perfect world, I would hope is Andre Chase, but most likely it's gonna be big daddy V. Vaughn is gonna pull it out, I do believe, thanks to an assist from Carmelo and Trick unfortunately, but at least your guy is going to get a spot in this ladder match to protect everyone if he can protect himself first. And let's not like WWE doesn't like to, it, I mean, even Triple H will do it, have a, a last chance match or battle royal or something. So yeah, I think it's very possible Von Wagner wins and then Andre Chase, he can still get into the ladder match somehow, but yeah, you're probably right. I would hope so because he would be a highlight one way or another as we transition to an NXT debut of Sol Ruka. And, you know, I like her potential, but we are rushing people far too soon on TV just because she can do gymnastics very well and she can flip and she can do great athletic things does not mean she's ready for prime time. That's what Level Up is for, to get you ready for TV. She's not ready yet. Her moveset was very mechanical. I see glimmers of hope, but until you work the circuit a bit more, which she has, which is good, she's not ready for TV yet, even in a taped setting. I like her potential. I like what she can be someday, maybe in two years, but this fast track on TV stuff has to stop, no matter who's in charge of this show. Everybody needs grace. Everybody needs time. This is not our time yet. It will be, but don't rush it, please. And, you know, the the other thing to that point is Amari Miller is the person you got out there kind of leading the match. You know, and maybe I'm mistaken. How long, Keela, if you know, if you do know, how long has she been wrestling? I would say maybe a year or two. And see, this is what I was hoping that we would get. A, I was hoping that we would get away from is the green on green. Like this is where you need a veteran who can just lose. You know, when you think about NXT, they always had a really good in-ring veteran who would just take losses to the up-and-comers, to the new people they wanted to get over. Um, you think of uh, uh, C.J. Parker, Juice Robinson. He was C.J. Parker in NXT, really good in the ring. He's a guy who was putting over the new people that were coming up, the the younger, greener guys, quote unquote. You know, like Baron Corbin. That was his very first match. Ty Dillinger. Um, you know, Sean Spears. That's somebody who really good in the ring. Who, if, especially at first, was used to put people over. That's what you need at the you need somebody like that at the bottom of the card. That's I just talked about Andre Chase. That's why he works so well. You can put him in the ring with anybody and he can have a good match with them. He's somebody on level up who has good matches with some of these younger guys. So that's what you have to do with these women. You've got to have a veteran who is okay with losing and just putting people over. 
but this you're not doing Amari any favors. She's not learning anything because she doesn't know if she's doing anything. If she doesn't know if she's doing it right or wrong, you know what I mean? And that's not her fault. You, I just, I don't, you, I, this should be veteran NXT rookie. You know, that's, that should always be the matchup when you're doing this. I just, I don't think it's a good idea putting two green people out there. Cause isn't this how Amari got hurt? Cause she, wasn't it with Lash Legend or something like that? And she got hurt doing the same type of thing. So I, you know, I just, I don't think it's a good idea. You need to find a veteran that you can have at the bottom of the card to put people like this over. But you're right at the beginning of your statement. She shouldn't even be on TV. This is a level up match. Yes. And that is going back to what we always say. Green leading green is going to lead to more green. It happens mm-hmm. all the time. And You know, there's a big conversation going on when we kind of talk about people on NXT 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, whatever you want to call it. It's called being fair with our assessments. We call out everybody, whether you are a man or a woman, whether or not you're ready for TV. It is not a knock on someone's ability. It's simply saying that this show, as it is right now, is not a finishing school live every Tuesday. This is to get you ready for the main roster. It's the next step. It is a way to bridge that gap. Level Up is finishing school to get to NXT regular on USA. That is what we're saying. I like people's potential. Some people can magically become better, like Tiffany Stratton, who's a quick learner. I got on her too. And I look at the coaches, I look at the producers, I look at Sean to say, Are you truly sure this person is ready for TV? Because all of their flaws will be exposed. They don't know the in-betweens of what it means to be a wrestler yet. It's not saying they won't learn how to do it, but now you got a two-year cap on either you're going to learn or you're not going to learn. Either we're wasting our time or you're going to actually put in the work to get better. You can't rush this. I think two years is more than fair because you will create a bottleneck of people trying to make it up, to t- trying to make it to the top. And then you got those who are still lagging behind. And we see that in some people. Everybody can't be a wrestler, despite someone's background as a basketball player, football player, gymnast. You're not cut out for it, especially if your heart isn't in it. And I would like to assume everybody that's doing this right now loves the craft of what this is and they want to get better. Some do view it as a check and that's okay too. But at some point you're going to have to put in the work to actually improve. But the coaches at the PC has to also realize who is ready for TV. Cause that despite what she can do, that's not enough. There is no in between the notes of how to truly put together a match. She can do flips. Great. Where is the nuance? Where is the psychology behind this? You're not going to learn that day one. Very few can do that on day damn one. And I have hopes for her, but the fear is we're setting up people for failure before they're ready. I'm not blaming them. I'm blaming the people that put them in this position to go out there and do matches that are not very good and leading people who are green do the work. And, you know, the thing about it is I, I'm okay with if you want to throw somebody to the walls and see what happens because sometimes people shine with that. But it's, it's just like we said, it's got to be a veteran. It's got to be a veteran out there. I just looked up who Tiffany Stratton had her first NXT match against not our first you know 205 or whatever match because that's different you can i'm okay with that but her first nxt match was against fallon henley somebody who's been wrestling five six years 
that's completely that's a completely different story and i think it shows i thought her debut match was much better than this and and we even critiqued that a lot but i thought that was much better than this and it, it goes to your partner and this isn't me knocking amari this is just me saying it's not i don't i don't think it's fair to put her in a spot like that when she has limited experience herself and again who am I to say that? You know, I you know I've never been in the ring or anything like that. But just from what I see, you can tell the huge difference in the debuts of the of the two women, and I think a big part of that is who they were wrestling against. I think you put Fallon Henley in there. We're looking at a much different debut. It may not have been, still may not have been good, but I, I am almost a hundred percent certain it would have been better. Yes, I agree, and I go back to a match. Maybe a year or so ago was Zoe Stark versus Zio Shirai. That match was rough because they jumped from Zoe from developmental matches to boom, Io Shirai, the very top of the mountain. And it was a rough go. That was Mount Everest. She was climbing and that was a rough go for her. And she has experience. So you have to be very cognizant of how you put these people in positions to thrive and shine. Every case is different. For us, we just want people not to get set up for failure, not in their first match. People can magically improve if they put in the work. I believe in Soruka. She's got she's got possibilities to be great someday. I just don't want you to rush the process because she can do some things very creatively in the ring. That's great, but she's got to be a wrestler too because you cannot choreograph a match note for note, beat for beat in WWE on the main roster because things happen and you have to adjust on the fly. And what are you going to do in that setting? You got to learn how to do that as well. And that is going to be the next step for those who move up from NXT to Raw and SmackDown. The choreography is not going to be there for you. Move for move. You're going to have to improvise when things don't go right in a match. Can you do that? That will be key moving forward because you can rehearse a match down for a week or two. You cannot do that on Raw or SmackDown. Sometimes you might get the call an hour before the show saying, hey, you're going to be doing a match tonight. Can you do it? If something goes wrong, what are you going to do? You have to be able to trust your instincts in that situation. And that goes to training at the PC to get them ready for those on call for moments when they happen on the main roster and on the road when you're working two or three nights a week. And with that lesson of the day regarding developmental, because I can go on all day with that and people, you know, I just, the Twitter conversation sometimes irk me because it's not coming from a bad place, mostly from folks, but it's constructive criticism to help people get better. And that is by way of trainers and ultimately the performers who are tasked to do the matches in the ring. But let's get on to happier news regarding SmackDown going down live in Winnipeg. And this was a good show. It was kind of shorthanded due to the hurricane holding people back in Florida, unfortunately. But a highlight from Friday's show is the continued drama between Sami Zayn and Jey Uso. So Sami and Solo Sokoa had a match against Ricochet and Madcap Moss. And Sami was beloved by the people and Ricochet and Madcap were the de facto heels in that situation. Still a very good match that Sami and Solo won. Then we get backstage Solo and Sammy want to cool down in their locker room, but Jay tells Sammy, hey, you can't come up in here. Because according to Jay, he sees through Sammy. He knows what Sammy's trying to do. Is he trying to infiltrate the bloodline? Is he smarter than everybody in the crew? And Sammy is denying all of this and saying, you got a problem. Talk to your cousin about it. 
Now, if you excuse me, I'm going to go in our locker room and cool off. And he goes in the locker room with Solo and Jay is steaming. This is, as I keep saying, the best storyline in WWE today, because this can go in a number of directions. Now we got the prospect of, is Sammy a mole? Is he truly the smartest cookie in the room in this bloodline faction as honorary Oos? Is he a guy that is going to tear apart this crew from within and not be the fall guy? The possibilities, the twists and turns of everything. And Jay has his suspicions up because he was Sammy a couple of years ago. Naive, a little slow to learn things from Roman Reigns' perspective. But now he's Roman light. And he can kind of see through Sammy somewhat. But I love the story because you don't know where it's going, even though you get an idea. But the mole aspect makes this a little bit more intriguing now. So maybe I'm in the minority on this, but I I didn't like I didn't like them bringing this into it just yet because I felt like it came out of nowhere. You know, it, it feels like it feels like now they're trying to add another layer to the story that's just. That's not there. There isn't any reason for him to say it, especially now that they've started winning. Like, they've been winning more with Sammy. So it it would make sense if things were were going wrong and they were still able to fix it, but they've been winning more with Sammy. They've been more successful with Sammy. Solo has been... uh, Him and Sammy have a great rapport. So I... You know, and I'm, I, it's not bad. It's not bad at all. It's still the best story, in my opinion, in wrestling. But I'm not a fan of them adding this layer just yet. I just feel like it comes out of nowhere. But it does make sense that Jay has this paranoia to him. I just wonder if this is going to pay off with Sammy messing around and, and costing Roman the title against somebody. But it would make sense for it to be a Kevin Owens. But then I also think in the back of my mind... Sami Zayn was Triple H's true, true pet project as far as creating the ultimate babyface. If there was no Bailey, Sami Zayn would be the greatest babyface creation in NXT history. And I stand by that. If there's no Bailey, it's Sami Zayn. Who knows what Triple H is planning? And I've seen some crazy stuff like maybe it should be Sami to take the title off of Roman. And I know that sounds crazy, but. The way the crowd reacts to him right now when they don't take him serious. If he cut his hair one day and came back with his old music, I, man, I don't know. Maybe there is a larger story here that we're really being set up for with Sammy take, becoming a main event guy. Maybe there is a, a larger picture for it. Who knows? But as much as I don't like it, I am intrigued. I can't deny that I'm intrigued. It reminds me slightly of um, Sammy Guevara, who I liked up until this year in AEW when MJF joined the Inner Circle and he kind of felt like, I don't trust this at all. He kind of sensed it from day one, like, mm, not kind of here for it. Don't trust you. He was the only one that could see through MJF, obviously, because he is a weasel. So I kind of see that parallel as well. But this storyline is so wide ranging in that maybe Sammy could get solo to say, hey, why can't we be tag team champions at some point against your brothers? 
We need some championship gold around our waist. That's a possibility too. You can go so many directions with this. You can go with KO, which is my dream option, with Sammy teaming up to beat the Usos. You got the Sammy beating Roman possibility. There's so many directions. That is the right direction to take this story. And I'm here for it because you don't know what to expect. And Sammy Zayn is such a versatile performer. He can give you anything as a face and or heel that the people love right now. He is beloved everywhere Canada the U.S. all over the world this guy is over and there's so many stories to tell that you can't mess it up because every outcome works it's a rare case of a multiverse actually playing out the way it should because every scenario makes sense and the solo one is very unique a solo is very protective of Sammy right now he's beating up people for Sammy he gets a bit aggressive and over the top but he's the one to calm him down and say it's all good it's okay chill relax and you never know what that could lead to by the end of the year war games if it's going to be the bloodline involved is going to be very interesting because it can go in a number of directions sammy might not get the beat down it's possible but now hell if i know because every possibility makes sense i i think you might have hit it that solo sammy thing is very intriguing because I think the big, there are two big kind of clouds looming over the entire Roman title picture in there that are kind of maybe holding people back from saying Sammy or KO could be the one. And that's Cody Rhodes and The Rock. Mm-hmm. Because those are two, are those are the two big matches. Cody taking the title off of him, which I, again, it's not the bad, it's not a wrong decision, or The Rock facing him for Roman to beat. And I think you bring that Solo and Sammy teaming up because there is a connection there with Solo and Sammy. And I think we're going to see either Solo hesitating to attack him, not engaging in the attack and just kind of standing back. Or hell, he might be the one to push him off. Like, yo, what are y'all doing? And then him get beat down too since he's not, since let's not forget he was sent from the elders anyway. You know, he's not like he's, you know, was brought in by his brothers. He was sent from the elders. So, that's an. I really like what you brought up there because that does open the door for KO to be like, hey, I'm back, Roman. I'm calling in my receipt that I told you that was coming. So I, I, I really like that, Keela. And I think that's a an idea that we should really keep an eye on. That's why it's the best storyline in wrestling because every idea is good. That's why I love everybody having belts right now because it's not time for anybody to drop them. And when it's time for it to happen, it's going to make sense. And Sami Zayn is going to be the person to set off all of this in the best possible way. When he cuts his hair, when that original music comes back, he's rocking that hat. Oh, I'm going to cry tears of joy. That's why Sami Zayn will have unlimited cheddar biscuits at my table at all times. I still, I, that, that still doesn't make any sense to me, but <laughs> that, that, that part still makes no, you got Ludwig, you know, you got people like that. And then you got Sammy, like I, I Sammy's not an ugly guy or nothing, but he's not Ludwig. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He ain't Ludwig. Now listen, Ludwig is, you know, come on. Hello. He ain't Julius. No, he ain't Julius either, but. You know what I'm saying? Listen. That's off the clock time. <laughs> That's after hours. <laughs> when the dinner's wrapped up, right. you know, I can, I can do things after that's over. But with Sammy, at least I can have a good laugh. And it's a good conversation. 
after hours, you know. <clears throat> so, so let me let me get this straight. Let me get this straight. <laughs> so, what you, what you're saying is Sammy's the guy that you have come and pick you up from your dad and take you to the prom. But Ludwig and Julius are the ones that you actually go to and leave the prom with. Is that what you're telling me? Now, there's a nice suite at the Marriott Hotel. After hours. I had a great time regardless before things switched over. Just saying. I know. Hey, man. I didn't have the yoki doke. I'd have been through it. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> it happens. happens to the best of us. Hey, Sammy will be a great prom date. Have a great time. <laughs> you are great date. <laughs> but after hours, different story. If he, he wants to come, to home sure. Anyway. You know, he has to go home early, and that's fine. He'll understand. I have needs. I'm gonna let that go. But as we really dove into places we really weren't supposed to go to. But hey, it's what we do here. Y'all know the score when it comes to those cheddar biscuits. It, it goes different directions on this show. But let's refocus to the SmackDown Women's Championship match between Ronda Rousey and Liv Morgan. An extreme Rules match that going down at the eponymous pay-per-view this Saturday on Peacock. who got a brawl between the two on Friday. I got to say this. I don't know how it happened. I don't know how it happened, Scott. So Liv brought a bat to the fight. And Rhonda hit her Piper's Pit on the floor on Liv. The bat, you would think, would hit the floor. But oh no. I guess Liv is a charmed one. She activated the power of three and the bat flew in the ring. Right on cue. That was great. The cameraman couldn't believe the bat found a way in the ring somehow, some way. The brawl continues. Ronda lays out Liv. Liv hops up the barricade, goes after Ronda. Good pull-apart brawl. They needed this because at SummerSlam, I hated their match. It wasn't very good. They needed this physicality to make me think they can pull off some things via this Extreme Worlds match. When it comes to violence and hardcore stuff, Rhonda can come through for you like she did against Charlotte a couple of times in the last few years. Liv, she's got to do something to make this title rain pop. And I like the physicality and the extremeness of this rivalry that needed something heading into the pay-per-view on Saturday night. But MVP to that baseball bat that flew its way from the floor to the ring. So, you know, I I want to say that WWE has done the best job with Liv Morgan the last two weeks of her, arguably her entire career. I think this is the best she's looked ever mm-hmm. as far as the bat goes. I'm not entirely convinced it went into the ring. I think somebody put that bad boy in the ring. I don't know because I'm with you. When I saw the bat hit, the bat hit and went flying. It went out the camera view. And the next thing you know, it's in the ring. Come on. And it's right by the edge. Like, right. It's not like in the middle. It it just happened to land and stop right. Come on. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. What a, what a, what a maneuver right there by Liv Morgan. I better see a repeat of that at Extreme Rules. Um, You know, it's, I think, for, and also I would like to point out that 
I've never been a big Liv Morgan. Like I think Liv Morgan is a good looking gr- woman, but I, I, the way she came out walking with that bad dragon and like that, let me tell you something. That's thirst trap material right there. <laughs> that right there got me. I was like, whoa, what in the world is going on? And she, I, she had a sedu- like, what was that? Where did that come from? <laughs> so that took me out. And then she got kicked in the stomach and it like shook me back in. I was like, oh, all right, we're back in a wrestling show. Um, but yeah, she definitely embraced her Harley Quinn and he definitely hit, hit the nerd in me really good. So I, I'm all in on the match. I can't wait to watch Ronda snap her arm in half. <laughs> I'm sold on it too. I expect this to be kind of crazy in the best possible way because Ronda does deliver in these hardcore matches. They don't miss. Now, I don't know what she said about WrestleMania being a classic with Charlotte one day. No, it would never be a classic. I when I look back on the match fondly, but the one at WrestleMania Backlash was really good. And I think this one at Extreme Rules, with all the fixings, is going to be very good. We got tables, bats, kendo sticks, chairs, trash cans, arm breaking. I'm going to live. This could be a low-key show stealer if they are given time and if it's laid out properly. And I do love the energy Liv brought the last couple of weeks. And apparently Scott felt things with that baseball bat on Friday as well. I, I don't know what it was, but like when she was, I, I don't know, man. I, I, and I've never been enamored with Liv like that. She's just not my type, but she was on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, um, that's how I feel about Rhea sometimes. I feel things too, unexpected things. And uh, yeah, that's swag that she has, and Liv has that as well. So they, they got it. Not denying it, not for one solitary second. So, hey, if you got it, you got it. And that baseball bat did things for Scott for about a minute. And then she got hit and then it went away. It's like Rhonda was like, nah, you, way, way too many people are getting, uh, are getting excited about you. Let me kick you in your stomach. And I was like, whoa, okay, I'm back. Sorry, Rhonda. <laughs> Snapped right back into place. <laughs> All right, now it's time to talk about some very shitty directing on this show, the main oh event. Oh, my gosh. So... <laughs> I'm watching SmackDown. We're watching SmackDown, right? Not together, but we're watching it separately. And Scott's reaction says it all. So it's Drew McIntyre, Johnny Gagano, and Kevin Owens versus Alpha Academy and Austin Theory, Mr. Money in the Bank 2022. Good match. Good action. The last minute of this match, I can't tell you what happened exactly. I can, <laughs> I can tell you what Michael Cole told me what happened. Because Kevin Dunn, was apparently drunk in the production truck. He missed every fucking shot during this last minute. So let's start with, let's see, Johnny Wrestling hits a DDT on Otis on the floor. We saw that. Kevin Owens is fighting Chad Gable on the announce table. And Kevin Dunn misses the stunner Kevin gives to Chad Gable. (laughs) Misses it. How the fuck do you miss a stationary shot of something plain as day? But oh, it gets better because he misses Drew hitting a Claymore on Austin Theory. And then Michael says Claymore. And then he counts one, two, three. We don't see shit. So we hear it. We don't see a goddamn thing. Embarrassing. The show ends with Drew whooping up on Austin Theory to send a message to Carrie and Cross ahead of their strap match at Extreme Rules on Saturday. But the last minute of this match infuriated me because I didn't see shit. We didn't see anything. We heard about it because they missed every single fucking shot in a minute. 
Kevin Dunn. There was a, a fake spoiler rumor that you were fired from your job. Paul, Uncle Paul, Triple H, Papa H, fire his bitch buck tooth ass by the end of this year. This directing, this production of this main event was horrible, terrible, and absolutely egregious. I, you know, I don't really have anything to add to the, what you said about the main event because it was what, what? <laughs> I mean, what? Just throw my hands up and say why? Um, <laughs> but don't, let's not let's not cut them short on the beginning. The whole match, the the match was like he got drunk and just started just cutting every. I mean, there were so many camera cuts for the entire match. It was like every time somebody hit the ropes, they cut the camera. And this was way more than normal. I and it, I don't I didn't even notice it until the main event. So I don't know if he like was like, yo, let I gotta go. So let me just start tapping buttons and maybe they'll go home earlier or something. Cause I just felt like he was cutting like two frames every second. Like every move was two frames when they would get caught. And actually, now that I think about it, it was during the tag match too with Ricochet and um and a madcap. So I don't know if it was a tag match thing and he was just trying to make sure he got everybody in the shot and then he just started missing everybody in the shot. It was just a... Come on, man. What? It was awful. Awful. This was not cinema. This was shit. And Mm -hmm. I hated this. I hated the production of this main event, which was good from what I could see of it, but to not see. (laughs) From what you could see. (laughs) (laughs) Which wasn't much. And we didn't get to see the finishers of anything for the last minute. Michael Cole told us what happened. Thank you, Michael. I felt like I I was listening to a radio show from the 30s. Stunner by Kevin Owens to Chad Gable. Claymore by Drew to Awesome Theory, followed by a whipping. Good night, everyone. That's what I heard. I didn't see anything. It was embarrassing. It's not as bad as the screen going black and white a couple of weeks ago, but to be fair, at least... At least I saw everything in black and white. (laughs) You you talking about it's not as bad. At least I saw it in real time. I thought my TV had a lag or something. (laughs) To be fair, it was 1968 and I could see everything. This couldn't see shit. So therefore, black and white better than whatever the hell that was in living color, because that was not good to end the show. (sighs) Overall, solid SmackDown. Not as better as the last few weeks, but the season premiere should be really, really good. Headlined by Sheamus versus Gunther 2 for the Intercontinental Championship, which is a perfect segue to preview with a lot of time to spare. The 2022 Extreme Rules pay-per-view or premium live event going down in Philly this Saturday on Peacock. And Scott, last year we had one match that was extreme. It was Roman Reigns and Finn Balor as the demon for the Universal Championship. And poor Finn lost due to an act of God when the top rope snapped. So this year, Triple H says, I'm going to give you everything extreme. Seven extreme rules matches. And this card could be a classic. Y'all want to know why Finn Balor turned to the dark side? Because God turned on him at Extreme Rules, and that's why he's in the Judgment Day now. So it all comes full circle. Um, yeah, I think. It, I mean, and I think it, a lot of these these extreme these stipulations they work, and they've made them feel. And they're all different. They're all very different stipulations, which is another good thing. It'll be interesting to see how the matches are crafted. Like, 
you know, Liv Morgan had that huge ladder ladder spot that I'm expecting in their match, but then we have a ladder match. So it'll be interesting to see how they go about not overexposing certain gimmicks as well. That'll be the true test to see with some of these matches, I think. Yes, the table spots in particular. Who's going to use the tables for extreme rules? That's going to be the key here because everybody cannot do a table spot. So you want to make sure all those big key gimmicks are spaced out throughout the show. But I got the list of matches on my phone and we're going to run through them in no particular order. As of right now, six matches on tap, not seven. I take that back. So let's go through the first match, working our way from the bottom to the top. I've got the Brawling Brutes, Sheamus, Rich Holland and Butch versus Imperiums, Gunther, Ludwig Kaiser, and Giovanni Vinci in a six-man tag team match known as the good old-fashioned Donnie Brook match. I am so excited about this match. We saw Drew and Sheamus and Donnie Brook about a month ago in Atlanta, and it was a lot of fun, highly entertaining and physical. This match, like all of these matches, really could be a show stealer because we know Gunther and Sheamus is going to tear it up the night before. And then they're going to do it again with their partners via this Donnybrook match. You know, I so I'm torn on this one because I'm really torn on who's going to win the title match next week on SmackDown. The way they set it up, everything is just lined up for Sheamus to win. And I kind of think Sheamus wins next week. And then, so I'm going with the Brutes again. So I, I think Sheamus wins on Friday night. And then, actually, I'll change it. Sheamus wins Friday night. Imperium wins at the pay-per-view to set Walter getting his next title shot. All right. So I'm going to pick Gunther to retain the championship. Such a tough decision. I love Sheamus having by far one of his best years ever, if not the best year ever in his career. And I will pick the Brawling Brutes to do a make good via this matchup if Sheamus loses on Friday to kind of even things out a bit. Because at some point, if Sheamus does win, we do deserve a, a threequel to this, a trilogy to this feud if it goes down that way. But I do expect Gunther to retain. But in WWE, you never know. Because if you get beat down the week before, in psychology speaking, in WWE, you might be winning a championship come Friday night. Next up on our list is Edge versus Finn Balor in an I Quit match. And we said that prison bay Finn never, <laughs> never quits, no matter what. Rocking purple bandana and all, he's not going to quit. So I'm picking Finn to make Edge say I quit because Finn is about that life. Yeah, actually, I agree with you. I think Finn Balor does it as well. And I think it involves Dominic Mysterio and Rey Mysterio. I think maybe he's going to smash Dominic's head in and Rey's like, yo, you got to quit. You got to quit something like that. Or they're going to get Rey and they're going to start smashing Rey in or something is going to happen where Edge is, it's not going to be Edge's fault that he has to quit. Mm, I kind of sense, sense that as well. Definitely see a Rhea, Dom, Ray involvement towards the end of this matchup to see who would say I quit. And I got Finn making Edge do the honors when it's all said and done. Next up on the card will be Drew McIntyre versus Karrion Cross with Scarlett in a strap match. This is a big test for Karrion Cross. I am not a hater of his by any stretch of the imagination. I thought his work in NXT was pretty solid until Adam Cole just ethered him that night. He never recovered, but his work in the ring was pretty good. I thought that he did a great job demolishing Tommaso Ciampa a couple years ago and in your house. That was a great sell by Ciampa as well. And Karrion's good. Drew McIntyre is great. 
And Drew is going to bring out greatness in you. He did it for Madcap earlier this year in day one and at Extreme, not Extreme Rules, but Elimination Chamber in Saudi Arabia. He is going to bring out something in his opponents that's going to make you match his level. If Cross can do that, if he can go toe-to-toe with Drew in this rap match, then I have hopes for you to make it on the main roster. If you fall short, I got questions because Drew is going to do what he needs to do to bring you to the finish line. Can you do the same, sir? I'm picking Karrion Cross to win this because he needs the rub a bit more than Drew, who won't be hurt by the loss. You know, I'm I'm watching Karrion Cross and Scarlett and the, and the vignettes that they're doing and him cutting these promos, and I'm I'm just wondering how, like. I, I'm shocked that Vince McMahon didn't like him, like didn't see more in him, didn't want to do more with him and push him to the moon. Like he just seems like everything, especially with Scarlet, that everything he would want. So I'm, I, that's what I was thinking as I'm watching this. Like I'm shocked that he hasn't been here for years. Um, I, I think you kind of hit everything on the head. I think, you know, we've heard that Drew McIntyre is a little banged up and this could be a really good way to write Drew off. So I think carrying. I think Drew hits a nice flurry at the beginning of the match. It has people thinking he could pull it off, but I think carrying Cross just decimates him towards the end, and we get a, a nice write-off type angle for Drew. We won't see him for a little bit. Yes, he deserves some time out and some rest. He's been working really hard. Food poisoning last week. IV'd his way through the show. Impressive. He needs a break. Neck issues this year as well. He's been through it. He needs time to heal, take a break. The losses have added up a bit. He's still great at what he does, but he needs a little time out. Make us miss you a bit. Come back, refresh stronger than ever, possibly around the Royal Rumble, and then we can kind of get you ready for WrestleMania season. But Karrion Cross needs to win and a performance of a lifetime on the main roster to make this latest run stick. Next up, we've got Matt Riddle versus Seth freaking Rollins in a fight pit match and announced on Twitter right before we started this show, DC, Daniel Comier will be the special guest referee for this match. WWE secured a back for him in Philly. This is great pub for them. The UFC connections here at long last. And this match could be a show stealer because I love fight pit matches. I encourage everyone to rewatch Riddle versus Thatcher fight pit one when nobody was there on NXT two years ago. You want a physical bruising fight club match? That's the one to watch because I loved it. And Riddle and Rollins, their chemistry and their animosity is going to fit perfectly in this match. And I'm picking Riddle to pull out the win. Yeah, and Thatcher actually had another one with Champa that was really good too. Like, it's it's a very different match, very unique match, and ah, man, the DC element that makes it feel main event. It makes it feel like this could close out the show. You know, this whole time I've been thinking Bianca Bailey that's going to close out the show, the ladder match. Now I'm not I'm not as confident. You know, I'm not I I could easily see this closing out the show. It's been a nice built up feud. I man, I I think Rollins should win, but this seems like it would be up Riddle's, you know, right up his alley. DC's there. I wonder if they're setting some up with that. He's a big WWE fan. I'm gonna go with Rollins, even though I, I could easily see Riddle pulling up an upset, but I, I'll go with Rollins. All right. It could go either way. The DC element is very intriguing. This could open the door for things at WrestleMania. Got Brock. That was an option a few years ago as well. The door is opened at long last. And 
maybe DC can slide with Michael Cole and commentary on SmackDown, make Corey not work mm-hmm. twice a week. Possibility, just saying, depends on DC's schedule because I love him very much in UFC on commentary. As we move on to our last two matches for the Raw and SmackDown as championships, respectively. We got Liv Morgan versus Ronda Rousey in an Extreme Rules match for the SmackDown as championship. I got Ronda Rousey winning this match. Liv will not win three times against Ronda Rousey, I don't believe. But as I said earlier, if they get time and if it's laid out properly, this could be, like I said, on all for all of these matches, a show stiller. If they're serious about Liv Morgan, she'll win this match. But I don't know how serious they are, and I again, and I agree with you. You can't you can't have Liv Morgan beat Ronda Rousey three times unless you're going all in on Liv Morgan being this this giant killer essentially. And I don't know if they're doing that. So I, I got Ronda Rousey as well. I think it's going to be a a underrated match as far as I don't think people are going to expect it to be as good as it can be. And I think the crowd is going to be way. Match placement is going to be very important for this match. I think it's very key to put them in a, a decent spot because if you put them behind after like a Rollins-Riddle-type match, they're going to have a really hard time, I think, getting that crowd back into it. Yes. So for match placement, I would say do not have them on a before the fight pit or the Donnybrook. Those are two matches is going to really pull fans in. Everything else, you might be okay in terms of match layout and placement, but Donnybrook fight pit, I would not want to be in that position to be after those matches, but we'll see how they lay it out by the end of this week. And finally, we got Bianca Belair versus Bailey for the Raw Women's Championship in a ladder match. Up until this match announcement, I was all in on Bianca Belair. Now, with the ladder match, I'm not so sure because she doesn't have to be pinned to lose the title. I'm picking Bailey to win the championship because I feel as if Alexa Bliss is turning heel mm-hmm. and joining Damage Control. Wow. Wow. Um, huh. Alexa Bliss. I didn't see that coming. Okay. I um I think Bianca retains, and that's an interesting pick, though, because I've been thinking that, especially with you know Nikki Cross throwing the 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 um, or Nikki Ash throwing her mask with that. See Piper, I, I thought Piper, but Alexa's interesting, especially being more into a, a lackey and, and not even a tag lackey, but now she's just the fourth lackey. So that's that would be an interesting dynamic though, because that's another somebody else who doesn't need to be talking because she hasn't really been great on promos either. I, I like that, Keila. I think that's that's an interesting pick. And you're right about Bianca not having to be pinned. It makes the numbers game greater. And it kind of gives her another squad member for which I think is going to have to be the War Games match for the women. So let me ask you this. How do you even the odds out with Bianca Belair? Who do you who do you side her with? What two women are you are you calling to her side? Well, after Monday, I saw the lay of the land when Candice LeRae showed up. And when I saw Candice show up, I said, mm-mm. Somebody's dynamics finna change because I can see Alexa flipping and joining damage control. So I got Candace rocking with Bianca and Oscar and a healed up returned Becky Lynch. That would be the foursome against damage control with Alexa Bliss. Okay. So you think you think Becky Lynch will be ready by Survivor Series time? I do believe so. I think you got Becky, Oscar, Candace, Bianca. That's the team right there that mm-hmm. would be great in terms of chemistry versus damage control that could be elevated with Alexa who can talk for this crew with something to talk about for a change. 
so I and I want I you know I know she's kind of the elephant in the room and maybe this is the whole plan is to get people to not think about her anymore. But I wonder if there's a Sasha Banks element that could be in play because Bianca does have a little bit of history with Sasha. Sasha's got history with Bailey. Um, I wonder if a little bit of that element could be in play. There is the tag title still there. So that there, that's the Alexa Bliss turning thing is very interesting because that opens up the door to a lot of possibilities. I'm just not that high on Alexa Bliss right now. I know. That's my concern. I hope that a hill turn would just jumpstart something for her again, because I do like her. But as a babyface, it's very cold right now. And the chemistry between Bianca, Asuka and Alexa as a crew is not there. And I do wonder about the Sasha Naomi element as well whenever they come back, because I'm assuming at one point they want these titles back. I don't know how long WWE wants to play it. We got a lot of returns to consider with Charlotte, Sasha, um, Naomi, we got Charlotte Flair coming back as well. Bray Wyatt's return. A lot of people still got to return to this company in the fall and winter of this year. So we're just waiting at, at this point. But the intriguing aspect is I just don't trust Alexa Bliss. They keep talking about her losing a step or two and she's not focused right now. I can sense a turn. I can sense a betrayal because right now this crew in terms of chemistry doesn't work for me. No, I, I think there's something to that. And you know, now that you say that, part in part of me thinks that the reason Bianca's also winning is Rhea Ripley has to go after the women's championship at some point. Like at some point, it has she has to be like, I think I want to get some gold too, and that's a that's a big time matchup that we were supposed to get that we didn't get Rhea Ripley versus Bianca Belair, and I think that for the title is a big time match. The Alexa Bliss thing, she, and I think she can still can turn and maybe turn for the title because she does need something to freshen up that character, man, because I just, I don't care about her at all. Um, and I would so much rather it be Piper that joins that group because I, they need a heavy, man. And Alexa Bliss, there's nothing heavy about her except that doll. <laughs> <laughs> That's cold, but it's true though. But I'm just, I'm just torn on it as well. I'm still going to go with my original pick. I will say that when Alexa's on, she does have really good chemistry with Bianca Belair in the ring. I do like what they do together if they decide to feud them up before Survivor Series, but we'll see. This will go either way, but I just feel as if there's a turn coming. And when Candice was backstage with Bianca Belair, I kind of sense "Mm mm-mm. Some feels out of place here. I sense a switch coming and it will be in the form of Alexa Bliss flipping and joining damage control. I like options. I like, I like, that's what I like about WWE right now with a lot of their top stories is there are multiple ways that I can go that make sense that have other layers that you can add to the story. Like you said, if Alexa Bliss flips and joins and Bailey becomes champion, now Bianca has somebody she can go after without having to go after Bailey, somebody she can beat. So there's and there's options. That's always a good thing to have with your stories and your top players. Yeah, and you got time between now and WrestleMania to get the championship back to get to Rhea versus Bianca when you want to go there. And my concern with Rhea is, is she clear to even wrestle yet? And she has not done that in a few months. I hope that she's cleared medically to have full-on contact. She can do spots, and I think she might have taken a bump or two, but not a full match since June. And that is a little concerning to me as well regarding that concussion she suffered a few months ago to herself when she need her head by accident. 
No, that's a good point. I still think we're getting Bianca Charlotte at WrestleMania. I think she knocks off that fourth horseman or horsewoman. So, um, but you know, again, this is this is a good thing. The intrigue and and just kind of the mystery of what's going to happen because the ladder match does change things as far as not having to pin Bianca. Exactly. So we'll see how they play it on Saturday. So this is the lineup for Extreme Rules. Am I squeezing one more match? We'll see. But this lineup is stacked. Every match has a stip, unlike last year, which is very good to see this show live up to its namesake for a change. Looking forward to the show and we review it next weekend right here on The Wrap. But before we go, as always, we got to pick which match stood out the most across Raw, SmackDown, NXT, Maybe level up or main event. So, Scott, what is your pick for the best damn television match of the week? So, for me, I, I got to go with Sami Zayn versus AJ Styles. I love the physicality that they brought, especially during that second half of the match. I, I mean, they were just laying shots in. Uh, they were suplexing each other into the turnbuckle. It was just a... It, it was a really hard-hitting match. This felt like a fight. This felt different than everything else on the show that had really that had three or four really good matches, now that I think about it. But this one stood out. And you even mentioned the Damian Priest-Matt Riddle one. That was physical, too. But this one just had a, a different level of physicality that I loved. And the crowd element also was, was excellent with Sami Zayn. Um, again, we're really finding out the Triple H crutch, though, with the interference leading to the finish. Like that is really becoming a multiple segment weekly thing. He's got to let that go. That's a crutch across his shows. It makes me a little agitated as well. Not as bad as last week, but still it is a crutch that is going to hold back some of his crowd reaction. Cause you're waiting for the interference. You're waiting for the distractions to come in. And then you kind of say, Oh, well this was expected. So they got to switch that up. Triple H, please. I implore you to switch up how you lay out the matches in terms of the finishes, because let somebody win fairly, let somebody lose fairly. It's okay to put over Sammy strongly to say he is that guy running things as the honorary ooze. It's okay to have him win cleanly sometimes. Just take a risk in that regard. As for my match of the week, I will stick with Monday Night Raw and I will pick Matt Riddle versus Damian Priest. It was a great match. They were in their element. They were able to wrestle their style. As I dropped earlier, it was Tekken and Mortal Kombat merged into one. The sequences of the strikes and the counters were absolutely amazing and it was seamless and it wasn't faked or forced. It was just two guys that know their way around a ring and their shoot fighters in some ways as well and they just put in a really great match by being themselves this was an nxt 1.0 match on wwe main roster tv and i loved it no i i really enjoyed that match and hey i i said this a year ago with this matt riddle randy orton story matt riddle's a main event guy by the way he's closing out raw like multiple times he's he's a main event guy he's not a top tier main eventer but he is definitely in that main event mix now. And better yet, even though we love Randy and we hope he heals up very soon from his back injury. The one thing I like about Triple H's administration is the fact that Riddle has stopped being reliant on Randy's greatest hits. Because at some point I was thinking, Yaka's playing a wee bit too much for me, but he's less reliant on the DDT, the RKO's, this power slam. So good for Riddle for being more like Matthew Riddle in the ring, which makes him unique in every way. I do think he if he should adopt the the RKO though because okay. it already it okay. already fits with him you know so that that I will say he should 
continue using, and that should be his finish. Yeah. It's not going to be the bro Derek. So I'm okay with that part. Yes. Just the other elements of it was a bit too much for me when Vince was there. Like, let's stop relying so hard on his finishers, but the RKO that is more than allowable, uh, more than allowable, especially the super RKO from the top rope whenever he hits it. Yes. That's a badass move every time. So shout out to Randy. Feel better soon, dude. We miss you, by the way. And with that, this is a wrap for all things WWE. As always, it's an honor to talk to my co-host, Salty Scott Young, as we chop it up when it comes to all things WWE. Hey, that was a really good week. And Keela, as always, it's it's always a blast to, to chop it up and, and talk with you. And again, Red Lobster, call <laughs> us, man. Just send me a bag of biscuits. That's all I want. Just send me some biscuits. Those biscuits are like crack. They're just so... <laughs> so good. Good. They're irresistible. Like, you want more than two. I want three. I want four. I want to take some home. That's how good they are. And shout out to Paul and John once again for nah, giving no us shout love. Out to Paul. No shout out to Paul. You don't get no okay. shout out for that. Okay. Fine. Um, sorry. Pissing me off at work Sorry, on my lunch sorry break. Grandpa ass. No shout out for you on this show. <laughs> I'm eating a cold cut bologna sandwich and he's showing me some cheddar biscuits and red lobster. And the shrimp and the shrimp pasta, which was even more uh, offensive. Uh, oh, by the way, and, and and what's crazy, I was at the grocery store at Kroger's and he had the nerve to tweet that where I was shopping for dinner. <laughs> See, like, OK, and you want to shout him out. You want to shout him out. But it's all love because I want it's a sponsorship. I want a sponsorship on this show. And Gigi had the nerve to, to tweet out a gif of Martin's Mama Biscuits. Hey, anytime Martin gets anytime a Martin gift gets tweeted out, by the way, that's yes, an that's angel gets his rings. Yes, yes, yes. I loved it. So shout out to GG, all the folks that gave us what we needed in terms of Red Lobster. Now we need the people at Red Lobster to give us what we want, which is promotional sponsorship and unlimited cheddar biscuits that we can eat on the air. And then things will happen on the air. We don't know what those things will be, but <laughs> I'm just saying, like, that's like an aphrodisiac for us, apparently. They will do things to us on this show. Oh, man. I'm going to leave it at that. So on that note, we'll be back next Sunday morning-ish, recapping the highs and lows from Extreme Rules 2022. Should be a very newsworthy show. Until then, enjoy your week, ladies and gentlemen, for myself and for Salty Scott Young. And on behalf of Cheddar Biscuits Everywhere, that's a wrap on all things WWE. Take care, everyone. <laughs>